Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Recording from my living room in beautiful Marietta, Georgia, you are listening to the Think Inclusive Podcast, Episode 6. I'm your host, Tim Viegas. Today I will be speaking with Ariane Zerscher, a Huffington Post blogger as well as the creator of the blog Emma's Hope Book, a chronicle of sorts about her autistic daughter. She is one of the leading voices in the autism community, and I had the pleasure of visiting with her one evening in June. Ariane and I discuss what it was like to go from knowing nothing about autism when her daughter was first diagnosed to being such a strong advocate for the autistic community. We briefly talk about inclusion and what that looks like in her family. So without further ado, let's get to the Think Inclusive podcast. Thanks for listening. All right, joining me today on the Think Inclusive podcast is Ariane Zerscher, who is a uh, a blogger, well, she's a HuffPost blogger, and she also uh, writes for her website, uh, Emma's Hope Book. Um, and uh, we have connected over various uh, social media. Uh, in fact, I've had her uh, use some of her um, articles on the think, on thinkinclusive.us, uh, and we sort of had a, a back and forth about inclusion, what is inclusion, and then also talking about Emma. And uh, I'm very pleased and honored to have Ariane here on the Think Inclusive podcast. Thank you for being with me, uh, being being here with me. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Tim. It's a pleasure. Great, great. Uh, before we dive right into um, the questions I had, uh, I'm I was a little curious. Um, about uh, Emma, and is Emma is her real name? Is that correct? Yes, yes. Okay, so there are many bloggers, many you know, autism mom 
bloggers, autism family bloggers, who decide to change their name, um, you know, with the, with the kids and with the family members and stuff. Uh, I wanted to know: is there a particular reason why you chose to use Emma's first real name in in the blogging? So. <laughs> So when I began blogging in 2010, um, I never thought anyone was going to read the blog. <laughs> um, I really didn't. Uh, so in the beginning, it was um, fam- my family, um, not even all of them, <laughs> and, um, and a couple of good friends. And it was really because people were asking a lot of questions about how Emma was doing and what's going on. And I got so tired of writing the same emails. And so I just thought I'm going to streamline it and I'll blog, I'll just start a blog. And then it, uh, and then it kind of took off. And, um, so the answer is, uh, incredibly, um, in today's age, uh, I, it never even occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, and honestly, if I started a blog today, would I change everyone's name? I I think I probably would. Right. Well, have you have you have you experienced any, I guess, negative effects because of that? No. And I even if I had changed everyone's names, um, I still would uh, ask my daughter if it's okay to. To uh, to quote her, and I would ask her, "Is this photo okay for me to post?" And right. I, I wouldn't. Um, so uh, I don't know. I don't know that it would it would matter quite so. You know, I I, I honestly I, I can't even fathom what that would be like. Uh, I didn't do it. Right. Yeah. Right. And Emma is a very. Um, She's pretty gregarious, and she really loves the limelight. I mean, if there's a stage, Emma's on it. You know, mm-hmm. if there's a microphone, she's she's speaking. She's singing. She's she wants to. Um, she she loves an audience. If it's a party, she's in her element, and she wants to perform and will sing songs. And uh, I mean, I had uh, a party that was thrown for me for my fiftieth birthday. Uh, celebration and and it was almost a hundred people and she got up there and sang. I mean, she is just without inhibitions. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> that is a beautiful thing. <laughs> yes, yes, and, uh, and uh, I I I think that is uh, is unique. Although I I don't um, you know um, I don't I I can't read all of you know the blogs that uh deal with autism right no, but, no one can uh, but but, uh, but i i do follow yours pretty closely and it seems uh from the pictures that you post of emma that she does really enjoy that that that's something that really comes across in the in the pictures that you decide to put you know with your with your posts right she she loves it she absolutely loves it um, so going back to when, you know, maybe when you first started the blog and when she was first diagnosed with autism, um, what, so what, how old was she when, when you first, when you first she got was, that? She was two. She was, um, almost three. We got the diagnosis, uh, end of September. She turned three in January and, um, uh, we knew, we knew next to nothing, um, about, autism, although 
uh, retrospect, I I absolutely uh, see signs now. So when um, when Emma was first diagnosed with autism, and you you uh, you like you said, you had no idea what autism was. Um, what was your initial reaction to that? Was it a was it a, a medical diagnosis that did the doctor? Did you go to a psychiatrist or how did that how did that play out? Right. So what what we had it was the end of a long series of different tests. So we had gotten her her hearing tested and uh, all different kinds of things and. Uh, eventually, we um, were advised to get a full evaluation. So we did that through an agency here in New York City. And at a certain point, I said to one of them, um, one of the people who was here, I said something like, do you think this could be autism? And the reason I asked it was because after each evaluation, I would go to Barnes & Noble and I would sit on the floor and go through their entire section, pediatric section. And so I came upon autism and I started reading about it. And there were things, there weren't a lot of things, honestly, that sounded descriptive of my daughter, but there were a couple of things that seemed um, interesting and and seemed to perhaps illustrate some of what we were seeing. A loss of language, um, um, a, di- a different way of speaking, mm-hmm. so that uh, language wasn't being, um, it, it wasn't as though Emma was learning a word and then was building upon that word, or that the word would necessarily ever be heard again. Mm-hmm. She would say a word, and then we may never hear it again. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in retrospect, I see how... It seemed very regressive, but I actually am see, I see it differently now, uh, much later. In any case, when I said that, the therapist said, right away stopped everything and sort of looked at me and said, "Why do you say that?" And I said, "Well, you know, she doesn't she she doesn't answer to her name most of the time. She doesn't look at us when we call to her. Uh, we've had her hearing checked, etc." And so th- at that point, she said, "Well, I need to call the I need to have a." A psychologist come in, which I thought was really interesting. I had no idea that a psychologist, because to me, I'm thinking, well, this isn't a mental, uh, uh, a psychological problem. This is a neurological problem. Why are they having? Anyway, I never did find out the answer to that particular question. But they had the the psychologist come in, and she then um, really talked to us and did very little. It, um, evaluating directly with Emma. She did a couple of different things, made some notes, and then she just sort of spoke to my husband and I. And at the end, she said, you know, I think I'm on the fence with this, but um, I think um, your daughter definitely um, will benefit from early intervention, and the best way to get an early intervention is with, if we give her uh, a PDD-NOS uh, mm-hmm. diagnosis, and so mm-hmm. we're going to go with that, and Let's just, uh, you know, keep our fingers crossed, I think was the the exact words she used, and keep an eye on her and and see what happens. And, you know, best case scenario, all of this will be for naught. And so we said, okay, you know, well, okay, that sounds reasonable. Um, And then she went away, and then the evaluation continued, and then we finally, and then we got a phone call, and the woman said, well, you know, we've, and this very sort of sad voice, you know, well, we've 
I'm so sorry to be the one to tell you. And it was just set up as just this, you know, it was like it had tragedy just written all over it. I mm. mean, it was the way it was spoken, the words that were being used. And I, I, as you as you know from looking at the blog, I mean, I really object to all of this 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 way. I, I just think that it's utterly unhelpful for any of us. Um, it's not helpful for our child to be viewed of and spoken of in these terms, and it, it definitely wasn't helpful for me as a parent. And I remember that was a moment, um, a moment where I just felt like the icy grip of fear, you know, mm. I mean, like really, really frightened. It was uh, suddenly it went from, okay, you know, maybe, you know, who knows what's really going, but we've, you know, now we've got an action plan, right? You know, and, but it it wasn't like that. It just felt horrible. Uh, and I just remember being, just feeling devastated not devastated because I was being told that my daughter was something that I thought she wasn't, but devastated because of the way in which it was being told to us, really. I mean, the devastation of just this thing that others clearly believed was a horrible, horrible thing. Right, right. And and that really started us then down this road of me... Um, thinking, okay, I'm going to learn everything I can about autism, and I and we're going to fix this. <laughs> right. You know? Yes, exactly. And, and, of course, that's, you know, that, that's, a, that's a long, dark road to, yeah. Go, yeah, it is. to head down. And, but I did, and that's, and so that was, that, uh, I think. Talk about, boy, could I do things differently. I would have. I think that is, uh that is the reaction of of many 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 people many families who who uh, are initially told that autism is a tragic thing um yeah. and uh you know in no way am i am i saying that it that um um it it can never be tragic because i think there are things that we can do and we can let we can let things uh get to that point um, um but it, it certainly needs to be framed in a different way um so i'm curious if 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 someone were to tell you like if you were to go back to that moment uh what what do you think what would be the most helpful for a a, a newly diagnosed you know family i guess um, you know, what What would you say to them? I wrote a, I've written a couple posts about this. Um, it's kind of my wish list. Right. What I would love is if, uh, first of all, I would not want to receive this information on the phone. I would like to have a face-to-face. And my ideal scenario would be that I would go into uh, an office uh, of several people would be there there would be someone who is telling me, explaining to me what all of this means. There would be an autistic person who's self-appointed had and was hired by the agency. There would be, uh, uh, you know, the, but those two would be an absolute requirement. And from there, um, I would then be told, 
you know, this is this is what we have. This is the reason why we've come to this uh, conclusion. We don't know for sure that this because they, there was a lot of unsure. There was not. A, it wasn't definitive. It was absolutely. Uh, we think this might be what's going on, but we're not sure. And then there would be a whole series of things, either handouts or things that I mean, it would preferably handouts, things that they could tell me. Presumption of competence. Mm. Absolutely important. I mean, that is important for anyone. That that handout is important for any parent. I don't care what the neurology is. Yeah. Presuming competence mm-hmm. and explaining what that is, and then and then I think that there would be so much information that there would have to be a kind of some offering of a follow up. But I think it's key to avoid all of these terms, these, this language that autism has so been equated with that I think is a disaster for for everybody involved. Nobody is benefiting from this kind of language. Well, someone is benefiting. Uh, companies that are making massive amounts of money off of autism as an industry, um, all kinds of people are making huge amounts of money. But the people who really aren't benefiting are our children and the parents. We right. are not benefiting. Right. And I think that really has to stop. And we're going to get a huge pushback from the big organizations that are making massive amounts of money off of this kind of fear-based model. Uh, but we have to, we have to I, I really believe we have to fight it. And that's really what I'm trying to do with, with my blog and, and um, it, all that I'm writing, um, the, whatever I'm writing about autism, this is what I'm trying this, this whole idea of an us and them, and mm-hmm. that we are superior, and they are inferior. It's an, I don't know. I don't buy any of that. I think it's wrong. Do you think that the that the parents um, who, I guess, support certain organizations or at least write blogs and you know, and have a perspective? Um, that are coming from this, that this is tragic, and I wish there was a cure or a fix. Do you think that parents who come from that perspective are just misguided, or no, no, no? I think that they, I think that there is so much misinformation that has been given to them from the right from the beginning, and 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 they and they believe it and i do too and i think it's just and i think that's part of what's so horrible is that the information that's been given is so so lopsided it's mm. so biased it's so deeply ingrained with prejudice that i think so many people aren't even aware of and in fact if you said do you understand that this is ingrained that basically this is ingrained prejudice they would be horrified and would say absolutely not Right. I think people really, really believe, many, many people really believe in what they're saying. I don't think that they're for a second thinking about thinking, oh, this down the road is going to lead to my child having horrible self-esteem or post-traumatic stress or uh, depression, uh, suicidal tendencies, addiction. People aren't thinking about that. They're, they're thinking, I need to save my child from this horrible thing. Right. And um, I think that the organizations that are out there, and I'll just say the names, are like Autism Speaks. I think that they have a very um, 
specific idea and they uh they they are getting uh, there is absolutely no doubt that they are making a tremendous amount of money by by continuing with the fear um i think they're trying to change that i think that there have certainly been some attempts i think they've been um uh they have not been what what anyone would hope um but i do think they're they're seeing that they they need to to at least pretend to try. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much they believe uh, in any of this. I think they're couching the language. I think if you dig deeply, well, I don't think, I know, if you dig deeply into the site, you can see all the language is still there. Uh, they certainly believe that this is um, this is the, the best way to go. Right. But I think that when any, when any group of people are marginalized, society... All of society suffers. It's not just the marginalized group. And I think we've seen this in history. I don't think this is anything, I don't think I'm saying anything particularly brilliant, and I'm certainly not saying anything new. This is something that people have that know and have said. But I think that because autism um, has only come into the public um, view fairly recently, uh, we're still... Um, we're doing a lot of the stuff that we've done with a lot of other marginalized groups of people. Mm. Um, and, and, and fear has certainly been something that throughout history has been uh, useful, useful to, to push an agenda through. So it gets political, too, you know. Meanwhile, there are all these people who are autistic and who are, who are uh, having to live um, a life among a society that are not accommodating, that are prejudiced, that are misinformed, that are behaving out of ignorance, and they're the ones who are who are having to cope with the brunt of all of that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Right, right. Uh, and uh, and <clears throat> we're, we're not afraid of uh, controversy around here, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh I know that it's, it's uh you know I don't know a lot about um uh autism speaks other than what I've what I've read and what I've read from the blogs uh, of autistic individuals and families and um I I have never had any um personal connection with them so um, but everything that I've read and, and heard, what what is most interesting to me is um, is when you talk about who are the really the autism experts, mm-hmm. right? And is it is it people is it autistic people who are the experts, or is it the people that diagnose autism that are the experts? You know, and um, and it would seem to me that if you wanted to know about autism, you'd want to you'd know it from someone um, who was autistic. Right. So, I mean, one of the, you know, that question you asked about in the beginning and, and what would you have hoped for, uh-huh. um, one of the key points would be people who are autistic to have had interactions and to have had um, a list of people perhaps who were hired by various organizations uh, who were uh, evaluating children and, and, and first reaching out to families. People who self-appointed and, and volunteered perhaps were whatever. I, autistic people need to be a part of this process. They are, um, they more than anything, those are the people who have completely uh, transformed my thinking and my understanding of not just my daughter, but of autism and and really of the world. Right. Uh, they've opened my eyes to all kinds of things, um, inclusion. I mean, I, it never even occurred to me to to think about inclusion for my daughter and what does that really mean and and what would that really look like uh, were it not for my autistic friends who have talked to me about it. Um, there's just you know, Tim, it's, it, it just is absolutely mind-boggling to me how the perception that I had when I was first given my daughter's diagnosis by all those so-called experts, and, and I guess we need to define what an expert, quote-unquote, really means, but those people, what they told me and what I would read on the Internet 
is so completely uh, different, radically different from my understanding of what autism is and what uh, and 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 what that means for my daughter. Completely transformed, and it's been transformed as a direct result of my interactions with so many autistic people, many of whom have become really, really close friends, people I care deeply about and for, who are in my life on a daily basis. And those people have given of themselves so generously um, with with no... Um, um, with, simply because they are patient and kind and compassionate human beings. I right. mean, there is, for, you know, what is the reason for them to, to sit and to chat with someone like me? They have no obligation, none. They're doing it simply because they are kind, loving, compassionate people, and it helps that, that, we like each other that we genuinely genuinely like each other that's that helps right you know obviously someone isn't going to talk to me who doesn't like me but but i can't tell you how many people have extended themselves to me have voluntarily come and reached out to me and um um with with no other um motivation than to to be just a kind, helpful, helpful person. Right. It, it's been it's been my experience as a as an educator, um, because when I first uh, my first job out of out of the university was um, a behavior therapist. So mm-hmm. I would do. I, I mean, I did discrete trial you know, one on one in home in school and, and, uh, and found myself to be an inclusion aide, uh, you know, d- doing, you know, kind of, uh, the, those behavioral principles and, and all that stuff. Um, so it was a very interesting kind of, uh, it was an interesting introduction into autism. Um, and it, it wasn't until I started listening to autistic individuals, um, that I really began to, to change, uh, my, my view of autism and, um, and, and things started to make more sense to me actually once, once I started to really listen to, uh, uh autistic people. Um, and, and so, uh, I was just having a conversation about this, um, um, about this autism experts, uh, thing with a colleague of mine and because uh, we were talking about the controversy or, or I guess criticism of some parents who say well those those quote-unquote autistic people don't speak for my child because my child doesn't communicate or my child you know can't communicate that way or and so I said well you know, well, how autistic do you have to be, you know, for someone to listen to you? You know, like if you have a like a um, uh, my friend uh, Larkin, uh, who was here in Atlanta, uh, uh, was diagnosed uh, around the same age as Emma, I suppose, uh, two or three years old, um, you know, with with severe autism, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, and uh 
you know, and, and she has, has come a long way, you know, and is going to law school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, where is the line, you know, where, you, you know, how, how can you say, and you point to someone like Ari, you know, Neiman and say, well, he's not autistic enough for me to listen to, or, you know, uh, uh, Paula, um, I'm going to get her name wrong, but, um, uh, or, um, you know, uh, the, the numerous people that are out there who are Paula blogging, thank you. Yeah. Um, the numerous people that are, are blogging, how, how can you point to anyone and say, well, they're not autistic enough for me to listen to them. You, you know what I mean? Right. So I think that there's a lot of um, uh, division and divisiveness, um, and it's and it's unfortunate, and I think it's actually um, on some level somewhat unnecessary. I think there's a lot of misunderstandings. Um, I think a lot of parents, it seems to, that I've, that I've, have spoken to me or contacted me feel attacked and, um, you know, uh, all, all of these various things. And I think that the thing, the thing is, there are a number of things going on. One is, I can sit here with you and I can totally dismantle the way in which uh, Emma was evaluated and the way in which we were informed and tell you about all the things that were wrong. And I can tell you, I mean, I could sit here and go on and on about how I I am not a proponent of ABA and the reasons why. And I could, you know, and but I think that if if there, it's one thing to tear something down, and I think that there's a, it's really important to do that. But I also think it's equally as important to offer an alternative. Mm-hmm. So I think that a lot of parents are just feeling like they're being torn down and they take it personally too. Mm -hmm. So if they're doing ABA and they've been told, you know, you need to do ABA and they bought into that whole line, um, you know, when Emma was diagnosed, there was no other alternative. It was the only agencies offering. I mean, it was the alternative was you do early intervention, therefore you do ABA or you do nothing. Right. And, And that was, I mean, now there are many more options. Uh, before before I let you go, Ariane, I, I wanted to ask, um, um, which which actually what originally prompted me, you know, for um, uh, to ask you on the podcast was um, the question of inclusion, and we briefly touched on it um, during our conversation. But how, I guess, how are you? Um, um, thinking about inclusion as far as uh Emma and I guess in her fa- in the family in in her school environment in her community environment I guess how does all that play out for Emma Right okay so I love I love this the whole concept of inclusion it's it's um it it, it just fills me with so much hope for for our world so the whole idea for me about inclusion is actually um, about life and the world. And I want to have a society and a world that, uh, that welcomes my daughter as part of, of humanity. And that's, that's the ideal. And that's what I hope for. That's what I hope I'll see one day. Uh, that's what I hope the future is going to bring. 
that's going to conclude this edition of the Think Inclusive podcast. Um, I had to cut short some of the interview that I had with Arianne because of some technical difficulties. Uh, but if you want more information about Arianne, uh, you can follow her on Twitter at Emma's Hope Book and on her website, emmashopebook.com. Remember, you can always find us on Twitter at think underscore inclusive or on the web at thinkinclusive.us. Today's show was produced by myself talking into USB headphones using a newly refurbished MacBook Pro, GarageBand, and a Skype account. Bumper music by Jose Galvez with the song Press. You can find it on iTunes. You can also subscribe to the Think Inclusive podcast via the iTunes Music Store or podomatic.com, the largest community of independent podcasters on the planet. From Marietta, Georgia, please join us again on the Think Inclusive podcast. Thanks for your time and attention.